It's Magnum Podcast. I'm Jason Snell, joined as always by my pals, David J. Lore and Philip Michaels. Hi, guys. I'd like to buy a vowel, Pat. Jeff Edwards and the Big Spin eat your heart out. Oh, man. I was going to mention the Big Spin. <laughs> yeah, well, oh. mention it now, baby. Oh, this is season <laughs> because six, episode 20. Because we and I are 20. California kids from we the 1980s. Are. Oh, man. This is so, so season six, episode 20. A little bit of luck, a little bit of grief. Uh, aired in April of 1986, written by Ruben Leader. One and, day before my birthday. And one of the things that happens in this episode is that Rick goes on a Western States lottery TV show and spins the wheel and wins a million dollars. And if you're three, thinking to three yourself, million dollars, I believe. I thought it was just okay. a million. Uh, well, oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. I got confused. It's only yeah, I mean, it's, two it, and three million were on the wheel. It's only trebled right, in antitrust right. cases anyway. So mm-hmm. um, the the thing you need to know is that this totally happened. There was a TV show on every week on um, on Saturday uh, nights. Yeah, on Saturday nights. That was the lottery show. The big spin. Jeff Edwards, the actual game show host. Did it, but what it was is people who won the California lottery and qualified to spin the wheel for their big prize. And they were going to win a big prize regardless, right? 10000 all the way up to like a million dollars. And I don't know why I even watched any of it. And yet. <laughs> big Starcade fan, I guess. Saturday yeah. morning Starcade. Oh, I remember Starcade too. I, I saw it a couple of times when I was in California in the 80s. Just, you know, visiting. Sure. I mean, as you do, that's what happens. People yeah. are like, oh. It's oh, we the, gotta, uh, sorry, we got to watch the big spin today. Yeah. That's back when you only had like 10 channels so, on, yeah, a, on a hotel exactly. TV. What, well, so, there was that. And this is jumping ahead a little bit, but um, I just want to talk about it since the big spin came up immediately. <laughs> is uh, We'll get into some of the weird details of it, but the thing that, that sent me, Phil, and probably you too, to mm-hmm. think of the big spin is the very specific detail. The first person to spin the wheel is a Mexican cannery worker who, when asked what he's going to do with his winnings, says he will buy the cannery. And I just want to say, the thing about the the lottery big spin that I found charming and that really sort of defined it is many of the people on the big spin were clearly Latino immigrants to America who played mm-hmm. the lottery and won tens of thousands of dollars and their families were there and they completely went mad as they would spin the wheel and make money. And that's the thing I remember the most about it is that it showed people who normally didn't get shown on television in California and they were incredibly happy losing it because they were getting these enormous sums of money. They, they were getting life-changing money. Life-changing. Like the as, guy. As opposed to ruin, ruin your taxes money. Exactly. And, and, and that's why I enjoy that the, the actual kind of verity of the Mexican cannery worker who says, I will buy the cannery. I now, loved it. Now, mind you, the cannery business in Monterey cratered post-war. So, yes. You know. Well, it's available now, right? Yeah. It's, it's mm-hmm. you know, John Steinbeck, if you want to know more. Anyway, this episode begins, though. Oh, the, so I mentioned it, recommended by listener Clark. Not to foreshadow anything, but listener Clark, I, I don't think you're going to get stuck with the Blair Award. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think this is a pretty good episode. Yeah, um, yeah, kids are yeah. protesting yeah. because TC's kids have a clubhouse they hang out on sometimes they rap a little bit about things sometimes they <laughs> they play it reminded yeah. me of the uh the riff that we did that you can find on the incomparables 
YouTube channel for a, a short called Boy with a Knife, which is all about Chuck Norris. Um, no, not Chuck Norris. Chuck Connors, the other one, the rifleman, uh, <laughs> as a, like a guy who takes troubled kids under his wing and gives them a clubhouse where they can hang out. It's basically to get them off the streets. Well, this is this is TC is doing this too. TC is literally the same thing. He's intervening to change these kids' lives, not just by playing baseball as we've seen in many other episodes, but also like again, just having a clubhouse to hang out and 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 rap about things and not get in trouble. But guess what? Mean landlord of the clubhouse says, "Get out, kids! I'm gonna knock down the clubhouse uh, because uh, you don't pay anything for it, and I don't even want your money unless you want to give me five thousand dollars. I'm just gonna be mean." Boo! Well, he that. sends his his guy there, and he's like, "Uh, TC gets so angry with the guy who's there with. They're blocking the. It's like the beginning of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. They're basically blocking the building so it can't get knocked down by the." By the the smashy smashy vehicles, and as we know, smashy smashy vehicles from past Magnum episodes can do real damage to your rental car. <laughs> they, mm-hmm, indeed, uh, so well, and- TC gets so angry that he, in, in a fit of rage, raises his fist over his head as if to like bop him on the top of the head or something. I found yeah. a very weird bit of a uh, stage direction. Uh, the guy tells Magnum, "Sell your Ferrari." Uh, and they say, well, it's not his, which is embarrassing. Oh, of course it's not. What a role model. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. you are kept, which is like, I'm not kept. It's like, well, I mean, not really in the sense that he means. But anyway, it ends with, uh, the, take them away, boys. You haven't heard the last of us. And smash goes the clubhouse. They demolish that little clubhouse. I, now I, all those I'd kids like to, are going to be on the street. I'd like to say a word about this clubhouse. Uh, and I'm going to be doing this a lot in this episode, nitpicking it. I enjoy this episode a lot. This is it's this a is good to episode. me. This is to me uh, uh, textbook Magnum. This yeah. is great Magnum. Yeah. And and by that I mean there are also just silly things in it. That clubhouse would fit two, three kids at most. I mean, I guess technically you could have two people <laughs> rapping in there, but it is it is basically a shed they erected merely for the purposes of demolishing it in the, oh, yeah, very the clearly. ten minutes yeah. after they, they finished building it. So yeah. that they had it's, a it's physical like structure there. Barely the size of a confessional. Yeah. Yes. This is yeah. not. This is not um, uh, them blowing up an actual bridge like in in uh, the Wild Bunch. This no, is no. They, they they built a structure so they could very quickly demolish it and mm-hmm. don't think about it too much. Yes, That's absolutely exactly. true. Now, yes, there, there's now, no foundation. There's no plumbing. There's nothing really to suggest <laughs> that this uh, clubhouse had any practical purpose. Now, the no. weird thing about this is, and and we'll come back to why it's weird later because I don't want to spoil anything. But uh, the guy who is there, played by pa- uh, Pat Corley, again, one of those guys. Um, yes. And he, he he fits squarely in that Venn diagram of Pat Hingle and Eugene Roach. So they, so they got all three of them on the series yep. at some yep. point. It's great. And and he's the lawyer for the owner of the, the property, Dennis McKenzie. And uh, TC says Dennis McKenzie gave me permission to do this well that doesn't matter blah 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 gotta gotta go (laughs) that's just weird to me 
Mm-hmm. We'll pick that up later. Okay. Yeah, we will. Yeah, we will. We should also, oh, yeah, we should we also point out that uh, Pat Corley's toupee is, should have gotten its own casting in, oh, this, uh, yes. in yes. this piece. Yes. That is a good toupee. <laughs> that it really says everything you need to know about the character. So yeah. uh, in the first of many crimes, and I'm not kidding, that will be committed by Magnum T- and TC in this episode, <laughs> they're taken off to jail, which means it's time once again for our segment <laughs> that we love called Is Scrunjo in This? <laughs> And the answer is, this is actually not Scrunjo, but instead one of the alternate Scrunjos I like to call Scrunjo, attorney at law. <laughs> because yeah. there's a guy, uh, Dwayne, ba- Dwayne Daly, who is a... Uh, oh, Bailey. You got oh, it right. is Dwayne Bailey? Dwayne it is Bailey. Dwayne Bailey. Oh, well, I then, I've, I, then there's been a Dwayne, mistake in the Magnum Dwayne Mania Bailey page. Esquire. Dwayne Bailey Esquire. Attention Magnum-Mania.com. You've misspelled his name on the website. I had it right in my notes, <gasps> too. Dwayne Bailey, he is a, uh, I don't know, a weirdo in the jail who fancies himself a lawyer who keeps saying, again, it's just a runner because Magnum and, and TC are going to uh, be in jail <laughs> a lot in this episode. So uh, the bit is that the 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 weirdo who says he's a lawyer uh, and couldn't represent him, but he himself is locked in the jail with them. Uh, he's gonna. He'll come back again. So my, I, my I like one, to think of him as Scrunjo Attorney at Law. My one complaint about this character, and again, this 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 is a missed opportunity. They at one at the last time they were in the jail, they should have asked, "Hey, what are you in for?" And he should say, "Impersonating a lawyer." And then they yes. can do the the take to the camera and go, "Wow, wow, practicing it, law without a license." Yeah, something like that. But uh, no, we. I mean, clearly. If he is a lawyer, he is a terrible one, and <laughs> as he never seems to get out of jail. Indeed, indeed. At some point, he should demand a writ of habeas corpus. Why are you keeping me here in mm-hmm. this jail? He wouldn't need to know and, what that was, uh, yes. and he doesn't. Presumably, he's not a it's a it's a holding cell too. It's not yeah. even like jail, yeah. jail. Well, it's he's, not he's, serving, just he's there. not serving his sentence there. No. He just can't yeah. get sprung. Can't get out. Can't get out. Well, I mean, maybe he gets out and gets thrown back in again like Magnum and TC in this episode. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Higgins okay. bags them out and, and asks for a donation to the Anglo. Or he came from the Anglo-Polynesian Annual Charities Drive. It's yet another uh, weird organization that Higgins is involved with. Um, but the story here, it, as told by Magnum and TC, of course, is uh, and that somebody was trying to kick them off, as Higgins points out, his land right like it's not your land it's his land but the man is described as a bozo which brings us to of course our classic segment turkey bozo or what's the other one i don't even remember yo 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 yeah so is this landlord a bozo or is it a turkey i think he's a turkey turkey. i think he's a turkey too maybe that's the twist is you think he might be a bozo but by the end of the episode you realize he's a turkey well we should say the lawyer is a turkey at this point, yes, the lawyer, as far is a as we know, Turkey, but the landlord. We think the landlord is a bozo, but that's going to be revealed that it's actually all turkeys all the way down. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and because says, we, why did we still have TCs? You know, but but he let me use that space, right? So why not uh, call Rick to have him bail you out? Uh, and he's like, oh, he's in New Mexico. He was due back three days ago, and. Higgins says quite amusingly, "Worry, maybe worry about your other kid, right? Like, take, you got to take <laughs> care of, of of Rick." That's when we cut to the lottery, uh, the Great we Western taken States that left turn in Albuquerque lottery live from Albuquerque, where of course all lottery programs should be made, um, <laughs> yes. hosted 
uh, by a very peculiar English host played by Bruce Forsyth. Who himself was, was a very, a very peculiar. peculiar British host. Yeah. Yes. I just, it's weird. Uh, I I'd like to introduce my. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, a new segment uh, that I like to call Phil knows an awful lot about gambling. Um, ah, okay. Hey, fellas. Mm-hmm. Would you like to know the two states in this country um, uh, that up until the Supreme Court basically made gambling legal anywhere that it. You want to make it legal. There are two states in this country that have no form of gambling whatsoever. No sports wagering, no lotteries, no paramutuals. Indeed. No, no nothing. Do you know which one of them it is? Well, Utah. Utah is one. That's a good guess. The other one is Hawaii. Hmm. Really? And, and so, Rick, is up. Where, where did you get this lottery ticket, Rick? This mystery well, lottery he was, ticket. He was visiting Albuquerque, you see, uh-huh. on his vacation. The reason he stayed is that he bought a lottery ticket in Albuquerque and won, and I so see. had to go to the lottery. That's what is I this think. something that you're filling in or something? Oh no, I made that up. No. But that's yes. that's what I assumed is that he didn't yeah, buy it in this, Hawaii. So this this almost totally ruined a little bit of luck, a little bit of grief for me, a guy who knows. An awful lot about gambling. About gambling. So, <laughs> in state laws so. about gambling. Mm-hmm. So the next and, person to spin is Mandy. And when asked, because she's an actress, and when asked if uh, anybody's seen her in anything, she says, oh, I'm sure they have, or something like that. Or yeah. maybe you have. It's and, clearly and, a porno joke. And that's that, I, I, that was my thought, was like, this is uh, how can we get on to CBS in, at 8 p.m.? In 1986, a porno joke. And the answer is, this is how, folks. Watch how it's done. Here it is. I mean, it's just, it's very clear what the joke is, but that's all there is about it. It's great. I I really enjoy it. She doesn't win a lot of money. She's kind of bummed out. And then Rick, who's super nervous and not saying much, uh, and tries to spin it counterclockwise, which is a bad idea. Then he spins it and he wins a million. But you know what's happening? There's two guys with mustaches out in the crowd who look at each other like, mmm, <laughs> mmm, we're going to get that. When asked what uh, Rick's going to do with the money, he says, I'm going to spend it. And the mustache man, uh, men cl- clap politely in a shot that I thought was very funny. They're, the menacing men in the audience are like, oh, yes, but we will clap because that is what is done in society. Yes, clap. So so we find <laughs> out, uh, I mean, it's it's not a spoiler to say these men are looking to separate Rick from his money. Indeed, they are. Um, my question is, is there strategy in life? Are they, do they just go to this big spin type show and sit in the audience and if someone wins a big jackpot they go well time to time to do uh time to do the old uh old bagaroo on that guy yes yeah i think that's it yeah that that did not make sense to me either seems like a low percentage crime seems like i guess i guess if you if you try it 10 times and you just hit once it's a really good crime here's i mean admittedly if you see larry minetti coming down the street yeah. You think you might have a shot. Yeah, that that is true. They, they I, I would rub my hands at that opportunity. <laughs> but um So here here's the thing that I find funny is that the the layers of complexity in this scheme are a lot. Yes. Because these guys are not really necessary to the plot of uh of, of or the scheme. But No, uh, they they don't have to show up there. They could show up at any point where Rick is throwing around well, his money like so a fool. I think what's happening is they they come to the lottery and they're identifying their best use their cases. Best mark, yes. There is a uh yeah. 
you know, there's a whole other group that is going to steal the money from the cannery worker. Exactly. Mandy didn't make enough money. She's fine. The cannery—it's called the the cratering can, canning industry. It's going yeah. to steal that guy. Yeah, that, that's actually fair. They're like, let, let, let him. He's going to lose it anyway. Uh, and I own a cannery, so I'll just sell my cannery to him. Ha ha! Now I've I've got the money. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a lot. Um, uh, Rick calls Magnum on his answering machine, but he wants to tell him that he won money in person. Uh, so he misses Rick. And I, I just want to point out for our younger listeners, if any there are, that the, in, in those days, this is literally what would happen is like Magnum picks up the phone and it's a dial tone. There's nothing he can do. He doesn't know where Rick is. He doesn't know the number there. You couldn't even like do the code that eventually you could do on <laughs> traditional phones to dial them back. The star 69. Exactly. Nice. No, it's not there. You just can't. This is what it was like back then. It's like literally... No. That's it. He can't hear from Rick. At least Rick is alive and seems happy, but that's it. I also want to be clear about another issue, and this is not um, not quite a new segment, but, I mean, we had Phil knows about gambling, so I'll say Jason knows about how lottery payments work <laughs> is the name of this segment, which is, mm-hmm. to be clear, if you earn a lot of money in the lottery, the lottery doesn't want to pay you that money up front. So nope. generally they either let you take half of it up front or they pay you out over an amount of time. I don't know if they would do that for a million dollars or not, but generally that was the deal. Is if you win $20 million, you don't get $20 million. You can either take 10 right now and invest it, which is what you should do, by the way, if you're a lottery winner listening to Magnum Podcast. You should take the half and invest it because it will be you will be able to get a better return on it than what will be returned over time by those payments because, of course— over time, they'll be worth less. A million dollars 10 years from now is worth less than a million dollars today. So better to take half and invest it, is my opinion. Phil, you know, you can jump in if you if you disagree nope. with my lottery advice, that, but that's my that lottery is, that advice. Is, no, that's... I, I, I endorse this plan. And, um, and just to and be slightly 30. timely, I'll say what it also does is it reduces the average annual value of the payout, which is great if Shohei Otani, let's say, wins the lottery, he can spread that out over many years, mm-hmm. which is what he did. Um, a little time so, lottery winners, please send us your winnings and we will take care of them. <laughs> we'll take, well, yeah, we will. Exactly. Suddenly uh, our we'll invest exposed. <laughs> so, so, Rick... Well, yeah. Be, oh, yeah, before, I have a segment, too. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, which, since you know, Phil Great. knows a lot about uh, gambling and, <laughs> and Jason knows a lot about lotteries, um, David knows a lot about sound effects. Okay. Um, this scene is delightful because uh, when Rick calls and gets Magnum's answering machine, the phone ringing is a Universal Pictures stock sound effect. It's the same phone as in Jim Rockford's trailer. Ah, and no, it is not the kind of ringing sound that Magnum's phone would make. Uh, interesting. But but it is it it's is a sound. very Jim Rockford uh yeah. Answering machine scene. So it's readers, beautiful. write in and tell us which one of the three of us has the most useful arcane <laughs> knowledge. Is it Jason with oh, his knowledge Jason. of lottery payments? Is it me it's... with my knowledge of gambling laws? Or is it David with his knowledge of phone shit? Of, of stock so, sound effects. It's Jason. <laughs> yeah. Um, Rick, who is an old romantic, and we've known that all along, they're using this character well, has a piano player in the bar where he is. Uh, he gives him a lot of money and says, play as time goes by. The piano player says, for this amount, I will play it all night. Um, and and he and does. Slowly, slowly tortures everybody, everybody in that else room he, who yes. loved the song until that night. Yeah, so they, he plays it and a blonde walks in, of course. Not, because a, we're not gonna, a very good version of it. We're going to no, we're, we're <laughs> do 
There's a version later that's better. The first version well, is, is he knows he's they, in it for the long haul. He's like running a marathon. He's got to start slow. And, yeah, he's got to pace yeah. it. So, and, and they they didn't pay. You know, notice uh, they didn't pay for the lyrics. They only paid for the melody this week. Yes, they used it a lot. So a blonde, a blonde walks in. We're going to do this thing. It's going to be the Casablanca episode of Magnum at least a little bit. Uh, Rick is bogey. We know. And this is why he's named Rick. Uh, and she's she says she's Bergman. I saw you on TV. This is the point where I would say, if you're a scammer trying to scam a lottery winner, what you shouldn't say is, oh, hi, I'm a beautiful blonde who just happened to run into you in this club because I saw you on TV winning a million dollars. That's not suspicious what? at all. Just leave but that part you, out, lady. If you see Larry Minetti in a hotel bar, you think you might have a shot. Right, but you don't need to say, I also saw that you won a million dollars just now, and also I'm very interested in you. Um, yeah. She orders a white oh, but wine. But he would buy it. He orders a so champagne. When, when did you first fall in love with the famous millionaire? <laughs> yeah. Uh, she orders a white wine. He orders a champagne. Um, I'll point out, he orders a champagne while holding an enormously full glass of whiskey. Hmm. Okay, I mean, live a little, but it's like you didn't need to. You got to. Anyway, uh, the piano player, dead serious about it, is going to play it all night. The mustache man are at a nearby table. Uh, the song ends. Uh, and of course, at that point, Rick says, play it again, Sam, which I actually thought was very funny in that moment. Oh, oh uh, and, and he does do the, uh, he doesn't say play it again, Sam. He does it like in the movie, too. Oh yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, but it's that—that's what it's it is. It's not a proper play it, against you know, play, play that it again. Pleased me. Um, and, and which leads to uh, this this girl whose name is Jeannie, mm-hmm. saying what I think is is the best line in the whole episode. It made me laugh. It made me back up and 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 write <laughs> it down. And it's I'm just a travel agent from Wichita doing a survey of the hotels of the Southwest. <laughs> amazing like that yeah. is a very specific again niche. yeah you're trying too hard here but okay yeah. but it is amazing and i'm just you know it's it's just I, it's a simple story i'm just a travel agent from wichita doing a survey of the hotels of the southwest okay sure yeah oh, all right okay and, and that made me laugh because having lived in albuquerque i was trying to figure out where anywhere in the city would this bar be uh, this is like well, they, it they, like the they give it a name. It's like the which is lovely. It's like the but Albuquerque it's Lodge, the Albuquerque or Arms. Arms. That's it. A fake name yeah. for mm. a thing that does yeah. not exist. Anyway, she's laying on it a bit, a bit thick, and I think that that's okay because <laughs> we're supposed to notice, and Rick is supposed to look like a dummy, which he does. Meanwhile, back in the B plot, Magnum and TC are going to camp out in Mister Boyer's office so they can talk to the landlord. They just want to talk to him and explain how important it is for the kids. And I, I thought to myself. Oh, good. We're doing the trespassing again. Uh, the <laughs> the uh, receptionist readjusts her shoulder pads. I love that because it's the 80s. But she actually has to readjust her shoulder pads and says, you've been warned. You better get out of here. And then the guy, the attorney, pops out and cops appear and they are sent back to jail because they were trespassing. They're like, what are you going to do? We're just going to stay here. And I'm like, well, no, actually, they can call the cops because this is not also not your property. Mm-hmm. Magna Matisse learned basic lessons about the law. If only uh, they had met Scrunjo attorney. Oh, there he is again. They did. There he is again. There he is. He's, he comes back. So he does come back. He's like, you know, you guys, <laughs> if you had me as an attorney, you wouldn't still be in here, which is hilarious because this you know, guy's a lunatic. If, if you do not have a Scrunjo, a Scrunjo will be, will be provided, provided for you. For you. Yes. Oh, yes. 
That's the that's the tagline of Scrunjo Attorney at Law. Um, Rick and Rick, they get bailed out again. This time it's by Rick in a limo, an old uh, vintage old style limo, uh, with his fiance Jeannie. Um, and they leave, and and then we see Magnum gets dropped off, and and Magnum drives away in the Ferrari, and the mustache men are also there, and they say to each other, but really to us, the audience listening and understanding what they're about to do, time to make our move. While he has some of it left, because Rick is spending a lot of money here, and they are going to separate Rick from his money. And they follow him all the way to Hawaii. Amazing. Again, this seems, buying a last-minute ticket to Hawaii to steal money from a lottery winner seems like you're you're really eating into your return. a million bucks, though. They work hard. They work hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you gotta, you got to give them that. So then, in a scene that is abrupt as a change Rick and ice pick are playing cards with the mustache men at the club. Now this is one of those weird moments where in the opening credits in the cast list, um, he's always been ice pick. Yeah. And this time he's listed as ice pick ice pick, which was weird. Well, this is when ice pick is not on the job as a, as a criminal element Friendly That's true. He's, he's a good guy. Here he's, he's just Rick's surrogate father and card playing partner. Yeah. 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 Weird use of ice pick. I love it. I love to see Elijah <laughs> Cook Jr. Ice pick is great. More yep. ice pick, I say. I agree. But here he's just, I mean, he also gets to be wise, right? He's like, Rick, you can't do this. You can't play like a crazy person and steal money from poker players because they will come back and you don't want them to come back. And he, he knows and he's right. Absolutely, Ice Pick knows. Hey, what's that, though? It's another uh, episode of Phil knows an awful lot about gambling. Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) So they do the thing um, that very much annoys. Jason, as you know, I'm a a bit of a poker player. Um, I don't think I actually did know that, but okay. All right. Okay. Well, I am. And they do the thing that happens in every TV show that that, that annoys. They they do string bets where they're all, all... I'll see yeah. your oh yeah, 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 yeah. They're they're the continual the continual raise. Ice pick raises yeah. it by a hundred. The other guy raises it by yeah. seizes well, hundred and raises you, it by two hundred. You, ju- you just say I raise it two hundred. Obviously, you're going to see yes. the money if you're going to raise the money. You don't do the the yeah. dramatic pause in between the C and the raise because that that that's bad etiquette. And actually, <laughs> right. will we'll get you kicked out of even right. the friendliest of cards. Right, because you're jer- you're jerking them around, right? Because you're you're, yeah, you're doing yeah, yeah, a yeah. yoink. You're like I I'll yeah. you're like I, I'll call. I'll see yeah. your hundred, and they're like, "But I'm also going to yeah. raise you too." It's like, "No, no, no! You're an amateur. Get out no, of here. No, get get out." Yeah. So annoying. Angering. Annoying. Sorry. Happens in every poker game every, on TV and in the movies. Every Don't single, every single one. Yeah. yeah. So, um, oh, by the way, the line that Ice Pick says to Rick after the guys leave, he says, "Be careful, will you? I don't like the smell of these guys." Right. It's good. It's good, and he's wise. Ice um, Pick is a wonderful character. And and what is uh what is Rick's fiance? Well, she's immediately put to work delivering sandwiches or making yes. and delivering sandwiches. <laughs> Come on, Rick! Thanks for the sandwiches, doll. Oh boy, I guess the I guess the fantasy mm-hmm. is over. Higgins mm-hmm. comes in, calls Rick on the carpet. You're supposed to be managing the club. Apparently, the club is happening outside of this stupid room that we see from time to time. Um, and then he he's going to keep playing. He basically ignores Higgins. Mustache men decide to leave, and they're like, we'll be back later, 10 o'clock. 
and he, he gives like uh, a watch to him as collateral because they owe him money because they're down um, like forty thousand dollars yeah or some such thing but we'll be back keep time with this until then he says which is another fun line um magnum and tc uh get arrested again so that that continues to go on um the, fun. this time for crimes committed off camera yes indeed but they're the- back in the cell with scrunjo attorney at law um now everything has gone uh is a mess Jeannie went out for a walk on the beach she hasn't come back rick has been fired by the board higgins says um it it, it, it a very funny bit because it's a it was yeah, literally a, the last straw because it's he a didn't, good good yeah, pun yeah didn't order straws didn't order straws no and and you got to get out of the uh, out of the apartment that's for the manager apparently and all this stuff anyway rick then gets a call to compound the badness from Mustache Man uh, Cornell, is the name of one of the Mustache Men, but I prefer to just think of them as the Mustache Men. We're not yeah. coming back. There's a change in plans. You'll just give us your money. He, he phrases it as if that he owes them the money, but they owe him the money. But and so it's very confusing. Yeah, and Rick's like, "What?" That's true. And they say, "Oh, but we have your fiance." But it's it's definitely a "Where's my money?" to a guy who you owe money to, which is bizarre. But we have your fiance. So Magnum calls and Rick's like, I can't talk Magnum. I can't call call somebody else. I can't call somebody else. It's my one phone call. Um, hangs up. So they're stuck in the jail. Uh, TC plays chess with the lawyer. And at checkmate, he throws all the pieces around because the lawyer is also bad at chess. Yes. Um, Rick. Which is a funny little bit. It is. It is. Rick has a has to get a money uh, transfer because he needs four hundred twenty thousand. That's all he's got left. Uh, he shows up at the lookout uh, where they're going to transfer the money. He shows the briefcase. Uh, she gets out of the car. They're going to do the transfer, and then in the moment that we all saw coming, she gets right back in the car, and they say one born every minute because of course <laughs> she's in on it. This is all part of the thing to part Rick from his money. Now. Now, somewhere in this section, and I can't remember exactly where it was, but uh, Magnum has a narration where he talks about friendship. And a good friend is like a sponge. This is after they're let out of jail for the final time. Yeah, this is it. Okay. Friendship is something like a sponge. It happens right here. You got it. You got it right here. It soaked up. It soaks up the garbage. But when you wring it out, you still have a sponge. And, and, And so the first thing I wrote down was Rick is a sponge. This tracks. And uh, so I would like to introduce a segment, a a quiz that I call SpongeBob Rick Wright. (laughs) I I would like to do that, but I won't because it would have meant focusing a whole lot of energy on researching Rick. So that's, there was the segment. Okay. But there you go. Great. SpongeBob Rick Wright. It's called, I I would would just like to point out um, Magnum's um, sponge metaphor. Uh-huh. Falls apart for me because after a while you 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 throw away sponges. Yeah, because yeah. they stink. Because yeah. they get because they get too scrungy. Because they get icky and and, and, and moldy and yeah you know, yeah slimy. Mm-hmm. It's not no matter a, how much you wring them. Well, out. he says something like a sponge, right? They're not exactly like a sponge. They're just something they like a sponge. No, Rick, used, Rick is I would exactly have used like chamois a sponge. cloth if I was to uh, All right. to be doing That's a right. uh, metaphor. So then a surprise twist. Uh, Rick's. Girlfriend Jeannie springs them from jail. What? Cut to dun 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 dun. No, literally. Nobody's home. It's Beethoven's fifth. Dun 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 dun. I'm not, not just doing a thing. Home, home. Higgins is 
conducting go, he's he's fantasy conducting to be extra pretentious i think there maybe is nothing more pretentious than not just listening to classical music but deciding you will be the fantasy conductor to the classical music although perhaps he's just rehearsing for the next performance of the anglo-hawaiian chamber music society i or don't the, know the anglo-hawaiian air conductor, air conductor. Uh, <laughs> it's a bunch of english guys conducting <laughs> Uh, to Fake a record. To yes. a record. No, it's just to a record. Uh, Rick needs help. She says, um, "This reminds me of the time." No, we don't have time. I gotta find Thomas and TC. So Rick is gonna Rick is gonna set things right by these guys. He's gotta find them because uh, he knows that uh, he's done them wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he also tells uh, Higgins the whole sad story. And Higgins says, well, that that is the most pathetic thing I have ever yeah. heard. <laughs> yeah. And which he apologizes I, I, to Higgins I and they shake hands, which yes. I think is also really nice. Um, yeah. And there's a lot about going for broke and that Rick is broke. And I, I think he says at this point, I'll try to get your job back, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which is, uh, yeah, because he, he lost his mind there and won the lottery and lost his mind there for a while. Um, so Jeannie exp- explains she's mad that the guy stole too much from Rick. It was only supposed to be like a hundred thousand dollars and now they've completely cleaned it at him out. And she liked Rick. Um, uh, she didn't know she was going to like him. So she feels bad. So she's got regrets about the setup. So she's going to betray her cr- partners in crime. Um, and, and she said, you guys can talk to him and tell him this too. Cause he's not going to talk to me cause I've, I've destroyed any connection I had with him. Um, and so they decide they're going to break into or or otherwise have her knock on the door to their ho- hotel room where the mustache men are going to be. At which point I wrote down, how many laws will Thomas and TC break in one episode? This is probably another one. Um, she knocks on the door. Who's there? She says it's Jeannie. He opens it up to discover who's there is a punch in the face. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Sucker Punch is here. Knuckles it's, it's, and his friends are here for you, sir, mustache man. Now, now, Thomas and TC are lucky that they hadn't already checked out and someone else had checked into that room. Oh, man. Yeah. That's true. But they know. that. I mean, he, she hears, hears the, their voice and says it's Jeannie, and then they know. Anyway, there is a, a bunch of punching that happens. And then, in a moment that ought to be an internet oh. meme gif on the level yeah. Of Seriously. the bird and the feathers and the whoops. The the money briefcase is taken by a mustache man, but in a moment of 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 the just of the fight, the briefcase flies Well he he, he throws it oh, at okay. TC. Yes, yes I, I know, but it flies He's like, with, I can't punch you with but... such force that it goes through the window of the hotel room, uh, soars through the street, and lands into a passing truck full of melons yes <laughs> and somebody says the money and at that point like why are we even fighting for they're looking out the window those guys are still there it's like well the money is gone um now so yeah i will say i do like how they set these two plots up where oh if only tc had the money to buy that space to have that clubhouse right rick suddenly has a million dollars uh-huh oh that's gonna be how they resolve it Nope. No, the money, nope. and he refuses it on principle. He's yes. like, "You can't do that." The money goes into the fruit truck. But meanwhile, Rick also saying, "Hey, this is the episode where everybody commits lots of crimes. I'm sure that they won't matter in the end." <laughs> has tied up 
the landlord's receptionist. So he's going away for a long time. Only a little weird. But we we cut in into the office where Rick is now going in, and it's the lawyer on the phone. But he says his name multiple times. That is Dennis McKenzie. Is Dennis McKenzie the fixer guy, the lawyer guy? He's Dennis McKenzie because he says it again, and he's like, "In case Rick hasn't walked in yet, I'll say again. Yes, my name is Dennis McKenzie." Yes. I will get this done, or my name isn't Dennis McKenzie, yeah. which is what my yep. name is. At which point, Rick Rick says, hey, buddy. Um, and he's like, no, no, no. Uh, I just was saying that. And he's like, no, no, no. You, you are Dennis McKenzie. And, and the other guy. And, and Rick's line is, that's fraud or something, isn't it? <laughs> and, then, and then there's literally, it is the rapid ending, which is, so... Uh, I agreed not to turn in the fraudulent businessman. TC got his clubhouse rebuilt. We didn't find the money. <laughs> uh, no fruit trucks were found. Mm. And at the airport... They should look for the like fruit truck man who's paying no. the guy to play as time goes by. Right, right. And, yeah. you, and, and it's just like it's in with the melons, guys. How many melon trucks can there be on Oahu? But, but the voiceover tells us, look, it's all solved. Rick blackmailed the guy. Uh, in exchange, they built the clubhouse back up, but we didn't find the money. Don't worry about that. Cut to the airport because uh, it's a it's a plane with a big sticker that's visible on it that changes the name of what airline it is because it's a fake. Uh, but the, it's there's stairs because at this point, if you haven't gotten it yet, we're going to do Casablanca right down to the ending. Yes. So she's getting on the flight just like in Casablanca. She sold her pearls and stuff. So that uh, Rick can have some of the money that he spent back uh, from her. And she says she's going to go back to her farm. She really is from Kansas. She's going to go back to her farm and help her parents out. And Rick, who is a gigantic sucker, says, oh, no, take this money that you were going to give me and use it on the farm. Which Buy some green or something. So I think that this is meant to be a very sweet ending. Mm Mm-hmm. In my head, what plays next is that she goes up, gets on the plane, the plane pulls away, we see that parked behind the plane is a melon truck, and sitting in first class on the plane is the driver of the melon truck and Jeannie, and they laugh and laugh and laugh about how they really put one over on Rick and the Mustache Man. So, ba- so basically, He's it's, from the Kansas too. Dirty, it's the dirty, rotten scoundrels yes. uh, ending. Yes, what yeah. you, the, you've gone with. The melon okay. truck that was works. in on it. The plan to throw the, the, the thing out while the melon truck was down under there uh, was, that was always part of the plan. And now Jeannie and the melon truck man are uh, going to live it up on their $400,000. And, uh, and that does not and happen. He turns to her. He turns to her and says, "You know, how is it that you knew those guys would keep getting thrown in jail? That you could go bail them out? That it would time out just right?" She's like, "No, she's that good." Yeah, she's well, that okay. good. She says, and "I had to improvise says, a little bit." So, what, I, what do you mean? So, Ocean's so, Eleven got nothing on her. So where are we going to stay? And she'll say, "I know of great hotels of the Southwest." Of the Southwest, and then they, <laughs> and then they, they, and then they, they laugh. laugh and laugh. And they laugh. do, but meanwhile, back in the freeze frame. frame, back in the real yeah. world, of course, Magnum is there, and he says to Rick, "Let's go to the club." And and I thought oh. it's a beautiful friendship, and indeed, that's what he says. It's a beautiful friendship. Let's raise a glass because it is. Uh, they're doing Casablanca here, and that is a little bit of luck, a little bit of grief, a fun, silly episode of Magnum PI. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's quintessential latter half Magnum. It's yeah. Yeah. So, it's fun. So, so good job, Lister Clark. The heroic ideal of a season yeah. six episode. 
Yeah. And the, absolutely. the only note I have stranded, I have two, two notes that were stranded. Okay. Uh, one, when, when Rick calls Magnum and it's, it's really, really late in Hawaii. Isn't it later in Albuquerque? Yes. Than in Hawaii? Yes, it would be about Do, five hours, six hours difference, depending on the like time that. of year. The, yeah. So, so they still have a problem with time on this show. They do. Mm-hmm. And they do. Um, the other thing, uh, a segment, I guess it's a recurring segment, the hat watch. Oh yes, yes. Uh, because TC is wearing a Los Angeles Lakers ball cap. I he don't does. know if we've seen him in one yet. I, I don't think I'd recognize that. Also, the kids have all the their Tigers gear on in the background, which is fun. yeah. Oh well, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But, uh, but, but yes. no, the, the, the L.A. Lakers cap in the beginning kind of mm-hmm. stood out I think it shows up a couple of times towards the end because at this point the Lakers were, were quite the thing. Yeah, they were quite they the were thing. They were dominant yeah. in the yes. late 80s. Anyway, that, that is a, it's a good episode. Yeah. yeah. Enjoyable. It's, Not a lot of grief. No. No, well, I think we had a little bit of luck in that Yay. we listened to Listener Clark. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Listener Clark, please... Right in with another episode. Yeah, I think I think yeah. you've earned it. I think we're you've nice earned to, it. We're nice to people who earn it. <laughs> and, indeed, and and that's Magnum at theincomparable dot com for everybody who wants to. If you want to earn it, if you want to recommend something to us, just give us your feedback. Whatever you Lady can do or that. The tiger. It could be either one. <laughs> um, and and in case you are curious, oh. in case you recognize Bruce Forsyth for any reason, um, he hosted several game shows. In Britain, including the Generation Game, that was probably his biggest hit. Uh, but he fronted the uh, Prices Right over there. He uh, hosted Play Your Cards Right, which was the UK version of Card Sharks, because I guess Card Sharks isn't a thing in Britain. Hmm. And he hosted a game show called Didn't They Do Well? I don't know what that's about. All right, no. uh, but he's probably most recognizable these days for hosting over a hundred episodes of Strictly Come Dancing before he passed away. Um. Interesting. So, uh, let me give you next time's episode. Don't, not sure with holidays and all that, quite how it's going to go, but season, we're going all the way back. Season two, episode two, Dead Man's Channel. Now, there's a reason we're watching this episode, but I think we're going to save it. You can, yeah, well, you can all find it out. It is a thing. There is a very weird thing that is connected to this episode that we will talk about. Haven't been in season two in a while. It'd be nice to get back to the early days. That's our episode next time. Dead Man's Channel. Uh, and it's a, it's a Diane Frolov. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Well, D- Diane Frolov and Andrew Schneider. Uh, I don't know if they met doing early seasons, Magnum. Mm. Uh, but they became a, a partnership and, and went on to run Northern Exposure Northern for Exposure. years. Absolutely. Well, Dead Man's Channel next time. But we've reached the end of this episode of Magnum Podcast. So I'd just like to thank uh, my, uh, my, my, my friends who are like sponges mm. soaking up episodes of Magnum. But then we squeeze them out at the end and it's okay. Philip Michaels and David J. Lore. Thanks, guys. I, uh, I live in a pineapple under the sea. I was going to say, you are my favorite sponges until such time as I throw you away. Mm, indeed, indeed. And as for <laughs> me, I've grown too musty. As for me, I'm just a travel agent from Wichita doing a surveys of the hotels of the Southwest. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>